0: The inspiration for um, this message was taken from this little creature here. And that's Duop. Now some of you met Duop, and Duop sadly is no longer with us. Duop was our first five years we had Easter services here at Wellsprings Springs was our Easter bunny. Our unofficial but really official Easter bunny. It was one of the three pet rabbits that my wife and I had up until two weeks ago, and now we have two. Those of you with whom I'm Facebook friends might recognize that I've fairly publicly, but not overextensively, shared with some of you that Duop has been in decline the last few months; that her health has been failing her. And, I mean, this little bunny survived so much. That's why it was really tough to say goodbye to her because she she had cancer and she had a broken right leg and she had more bacterial infections that we could count. And she just kept, like the Energizer bunny, going and going and going and going until finally she couldn't go anymore. And I recognized that there was a lot of sorrow and sadness I think there always is whenever those things, those people, those creatures that we love, we have to say goodbye to. And I recognized as we were getting to that place of knowing that there really wasn't any more that we could do for her. And we wanted to keep her around while she still had like her essential qualities. Her, my wife and I will call her dudolosity, her, her essential do-offness her personality. I mean, you know, even the animals you have that you love that have mean personalities, you know, they still have personalities. But Duof was one of those creatures like like Ron Burgundy from from Anchorman said, uh, now I, I repeat this without any kind of the blather or idiocy that Ron Burgundy had, but he said of his favorite four legged friend, you're like a, a miniature Buddha covered in hair. That's that's what Duoff was like. She was just this, this innately kind loving creature who did maintain her essential qualities all throughout her life and you know we we tried to find that right balance my wife and i did between keeping her around while she still had her essential personality and was still enjoying her life and wanting to balance that with that moment when the the pain or the suffering really becomes too strong and while we were going through this kind of Calculus, which really isn't any kind of math addition whatsoever, but it's like a calculus of the the heart. One of the things that I recognize is that there were kind of two distinct strains within me in terms of how I was reacting or responding to her decline. One side of me wanted a quick resolution, wanted a vet who would say, this is it, this is the moment, right now. Get that euthanasia scheduled, and everything can be clean and tidy, and everything will be all right. I mean, we actually had a euthanasia schedule at one point, but her qualities are still there, and we called it off. It only bought us two more weeks with her, but it was the right decision. One of the reasons we were able to do that is because the other side of me really recognized there are no quick resolutions to the things we love and to what matters to us most. Those relationships take a while to unspool themselves and reveal their meaning. And so though all the one side of me was uncomfortable, didn't want to see her suffer, and also didn't want to see me suffer, the other side said simply, pay attention. Close observation is what you need, what we need to ultimately make a choice that truly would be mindful It's what I'm talking about here today. I think those two experiences, or those regular experiences I had, one was very much listening to ego, wanting a firm resolution. And the other side was more about listening to soul, which was a more fluid process in which there aren't really easy answers. Now, I use ego in a kind of straightforward way here today. Ego is that sense of self that is pretty strongly defined as separate from other people, maybe in relationship, but also separate. And all of us need egos. I have one that I have learned to tame somewhat over the years. And especially in the spiritual life, we recognize that first we have to have an ego before we can ever hope to transcend it. It's a necessary part of who we are. Listening to soul, however, and listening to the soul of our soul, to what it wants to tell us, that can be a more slippery process. It's not as easy Sometimes to really relate to that, and so I'm going to share two quotes with you that I think get to an essence of what soulfulness is all about. The first is from Emerson, one of our great teachers in our UU tradition, who says this: "Describe soul as this deep power in which we exist and whose beatitude, whose happiness is all accessible to us. We tend to see the world piece by piece, as the sun, the moon, the animal, the duop, the tree. But the whole of which these separate elements are shining parts, the whole is the soul. Emerson is saying there that the essence of the soul is about connection and what connects us beyond simply ego. But there's even a more to the point speaking and telling of this truth, and it's by Einstein, who's not often thought of as a spiritual thinker unless. You really are familiar with what he wrote about and his life's work, which made him thoroughly about the nature of human wholeness. He said, a human being is part of a whole called by us, the universe, a part limited in time and in space. Now, this separateness, this person may experience themselves, their thoughts and feelings as something completely separated from the rest. Now, this is a kind of optical delusion of our consciousness. This delusion becomes a kind of prison for us, restricting us to just our own personal desires and to affection for only those people who are closest to us. He concludes our task must be to free ourselves by widening our circles of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. A teaching not all that different from the person, the teacher, the wise leader whose heritage to us and legacy to us we celebrate this MLK weekend. Dr. King was not just about changing the laws as necessary as it was that they must be changed to reflect a more wide and inclusive understanding of who truly belonged, which is to say all of us. But Dr. King led because he also spoke to the heart and to the soul and continues to challenge us to cast wide that net of who we really belong to and with he said all of us are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality he said that is why he chose compassion over fear why he chose love over hate because if truly we are connected at every point in our being with other beings Then if we give hate out into the world or respond to hate with hate, then we are merely multiplying that which he called the darkness that is already there in our lives. Better instead to add love where love is so desperately needed. Dr. King was a leader because he spoke to our souls, because he spoke to that part of ourself that is always undergoing the work of not defining ourselves rigidly and separately and closed off and pretending that what we do does not affect other people, but that who we are in our essence is always in relationship with others. heard a profound story of this last month. A Profound very intimate and personal story that I did share with some of you on Facebook and I know some of you are familiar with a story from the Boston Globe a story of just a quote-unquote regular average everyday family with two children two not identical but fraternal twins who had to in the most intimate ways listen to something beyond ego if they were going to respond to the truth of their family. You see, because one of their two boys from age three, from age four, young child, this young boy was thoroughly convinced and knew in his heart that he was not a he. The article describes the dad in this kind of traditional nuclear family as being a real conservative kind of guy. <laughs> you know, good guy, but playing things pretty much by the book. And at first they really and he really resisted the fact that their four year old, five year old, six year old boy wanted to dress up in dresses every day. Because he knew. That he was a she. And they tried to make him, her, conform to a gender box that says, no, you have to behave as boys behave. Until, as the story goes, they started to recognize how miserable their child was, how unhappy, how much in pain. And then they started to consult with doctors and psychologists and caring professionals who taught them that this is good, that their child is their child. And taking brave steps, steps that actually forced them to move from one community that would not accept them to go closer to a hospital that would care for a family like theirs and help that child, their son, become in time their daughter. Now perhaps if you're sitting here today and you have children. I don't have children. I am a progressive person. I pride myself upon my open heartedness and my open mindedness. But I don't know the complexity of my feelings and what I would be feeling if this child was my child. But I hope I would have just half the courage of what this family did. To listen, not with ego. Not with a rigidly defined sense of this is our family and this must remain our family. Our son must remain our son. But in fact open themselves up to that deeper place of compassion that is soulfulness. It is amazing when you hear and read the end of this story. And I encourage you to go and take a look for it. This family now is completely well adjusted and happy and whole with one son and one daughter it makes a difference the choices we make in this life especially those choices that challenge us and challenge our ego and challenge what we think we were supposed to get out of this life and sometimes even quote unquote the normal way of being the way life is normally supposed to go insisting that life stays in that quote-unquote normal zone which the minute we start to scratch the surface of it we will find out that the normal concept breaks down and all of us are wonderfully complex if we listen to that call of soul which is more fluid then the ego is rigid we will find ourselves growing and changing And finding ourselves being able to transcend some of the limits of our own lives, sometimes in powerful ways. I heard a story last month that really brings this home to me. It's a story from a friend of mine who was on a retreat a professional development retreat that had a heavy component of spiritual growth in it and i think it was in western massachusetts because on the eastern seaboard i want to say about 90 percent of all the spiritual retreat centers seem to be in western massachusetts So we'll just say it was western massachusetts and at one point during this professional development and spiritual growth opportunity The leader of the group, who is very well known as a compassionate person, as a person of presence and deep listening and care and love, had the group doing uh, yoga, doing asanas, doing the postures. And there was one person in the group who, when it came time to do the yoga uh, and other people had found their place on the floor, walked over and took out a chair and put that chair down and did as best they could the yoga postures from a seated position just you know chair warrior pose and you know over this way and over that way i don't know what this is called so you know i'm just saying over this way and over that way and later on in the day when the group came back to reflect with each other what their experiences had been like of that yoga The person who had taken the chair before at this point they were all seated in a circle looking at each other eye to eye said i have some physical limitations that i felt meant i could not do the yoga on the mat on the floor and everyone in the group was you know right there and and listening to her and really respecting her and having tremendous compassion and then the time came around to speak The person who was leading the group, again, a person who is known as a beacon of compassion, this person kind of leaned in and asked the person who was just speaking about their experience of doing the yoga from the chair, how do you know what you can do? How do you really know what you can do? And the room got very hushed because they expected this person to say, okay, you know, whatever you want to do, it's all right. And instead, this leader issued a challenge. The next day, when the time for yoga came around, the person who had done chair yoga the day before got down on the mat, got down on the floor, and did the yoga same as everyone else. Later that day, when they were all reflecting with each other in the group what the experience had been like, it came around to that person and her time to speak. And she started to say, well, looking directly at the leader, I got to tell you, when you challenged me yesterday, I was flabbergasted. I was floored. I was angry. Everyone else had been compassionate. I expected you to be compassionate to me, and yet you challenged me. How do you know what you can do? And then I did it. So i got to tell you, fuck you. And thank you. <laughs> that is listening to ego and listening to soul. Those people who speak to us, yes, from a place of care and emotional challenge... We do want to say, fuck you. <laughs> Even sometimes if that's internally directed at ourselves. And yet we also might leave room within us for that space of I mean, almost imagine with a bow. Thank you. Thank you for challenging me. I mean, I, I think to be human is to have limitations, by definition. <laughs> There are those who would like to say we have no limitations as human beings. I'm sorry. I will speak of my most profound and heartbreaking limitation. I will never be center fielder for the New York Yankees. I don't think that was ever a real dream for me, but especially at 41 years of age and on a good day when I stand up tall, five foot nine, I am never going to be center fielder for the New York Yankees. Weep for me. Mourn for me. Laugh at me. I'm limited. Big deal. The egoic way of dealing with our limitations is to define the experience before we ever enter the experience. Is to say no, or can't, or I won't, because the ego has already defined the experience for ourselves. That experience, or going beyond the F you into the thank you, is when. We come to know our limitations because we actually experience them. And we find we may actually surprise ourselves because we give ourselves permission to try something beyond what our ego tells us we already know. That's what the soul invites us to do, to see our deep connections to our own capacities, not just others. And to take risk enough to try something That we're already not convinced that we can do or we can't do. The ego wants to know the limits before we ever set out. The soul comes to know the limits and the gifts through its own experience of life. Now I don't think, I know I never stop listening to ego. It is always there with me. I hope I never stop listening to soul. I heard a great example of this this past week from someone I know who talked about listening to ego and listening to soul simultaneously. It wasn't the words that they used, but this was already the frame I was thinking of from my message, so that's the way I thought about it. They talked about a friend of theirs, a very close friend of theirs, uh, a musician, someone they used to perform with, that they had had recently a falling out with. And this person, laughing all the way they were telling me this story, said they had kind of a revenge scenario in their mind that they would go to where this person is performing and they would sit right down in the front row and they would assume the most hostile posture they could and they would just be there for like the entire hour hour and a half of this person's performance sneering as if to say look what an sob you are look how much you injured me look how much damage you did to me and you're just sitting right there scarling snarling the entire time well i love that the person who told me this story was laughing because their pain was real and they didn't diminish it but what they recognized at the same time that they were speaking to me of it of their literal scenario that wanted to have the other person really feel how annoyed they were was that that's no way to connect it's no way to experience forgiveness That's no way to heal a wound or a gap in relationship. When we can listen to our ego while at the same point leaving room for soul, we recognize that it helps us make different choices. Choices that may have the possibility of healing rather than just adding hate to hate or misunderstanding to misunderstanding. I mean, I do have it within me. I, I, I think I'm just smart enough that if I find the right way to explain to people who have injured me, they will understand how wrong they were and how right I am. I'll just find the right words. And you know what I'll get? I'll get the last word. I mean, I'm not sure there is any human fantasy more compelling than wanting to get the last word. Although I have a particular name of naming this that keeps me from that instinct, or at least from expressing that instinct too often, I call it the George Costanza instinct. <laughs> Those of you who are Seinfeld fans, I right, remember George Costanza, who had soul, everyone does, even fictional characters, but seemed to have absolutely no access to soul and was just all ego. He had this fantasy that he would clear up every argument, every misunderstanding by getting the last word clapping and saying, good night, everybody, I'm leaving. And no one else would continue the conversation because everything he said had been so bright and it cleared up everything. But you know what? The illusion that we can get the last word is always an illusion. Just because we leave the room doesn't mean that the conversation doesn't continue to go on beyond our, behind our back. When we recognize that at its deepest level, life is not an argument to win... It is merely a conversation and sometimes a conversation solely in the communion of silence that is to be sustained. That's how we leave room for soulfulness. That is how we leave room for making choices, mindfully choices that may heal rather than harm or hurt. In these moments we experience, just as Einstein said... Liberation from the prison of our own making, of our separateness. And there's great freedom there. We don't find in those moments that we are perfect, but we find in concert with the deepest part of our tradition that we are not inherently awful or inherently mean, even if we act that way, or inherently mindless. We are. And have the capacity to be inherently whole and good. And to recognize that sometimes, especially when the spaces of ego drop away. That what is left there is the very heart of our hearts. And so that's why I want to end with this little creature again. If you can, I don't know if you can see that. It's kind of light in here. That's Duop in my lap. On the last night that she was here with us. It's after the decision had been made. That there wasn't anything more we could do. And there weren't any more hours to get. And it was time to say goodbye. At that point, all you do is you pick the rabbit up. And you put it in your lap. And you just say, I love you. That's what is there. In all the funerals that I do, I almost, I would say not just almost always, always, quote from the poet Philip Larkin, at the end, what will remain of us is love. But we don't have to wait to just the end. I would say at the end of each of our egos, which can be right here and right now, there is love and compassion and loving kindness and wholeness. Not at the end of life, but here if we choose to listen to soul. When we listen to that voice, we make another decision. We open our hearts. Even if we absolutely know that because we open our hearts, we are ensuring ourselves at some point that we're going to be brokenhearted. You can't have one without the other. And then we find also another amazing thing, which is that our hearts are stronger than we ever could have thought. May today be a soulful day for you. Amen, and may you live in blessing. Let's pray together. God, that is bigger than our conception of God. Bigger and yet more tender and intimate than we ever could have imagined. May we have the capacity to listen to soul. And also listen to ego. To be kind with both. And to be guided by that which ultimately we can trust. Today. This day. May we hear the voice of the soul of the whole. Resounding and echoing. In our own spirits. And in our own hearts. Today. May we make the choices before us from that place. Amen.